You're listening to episode 43 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus, mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. And I'm your host, Eli. And welcome back. It is now mid, late, late, mid, late March. Yeah. Spring is here in Spring the North Caucasus. Spring has truly sprung. The purds are, the purds are chirping. Those purdies. <laughs> Uh, threw me off. <laughs> There's also a drill drilling in the building, so if that is heard, that's just life. You know, it is interesting. We've recorded over 50 times, and this is the first time during a recording there's been adjacent apartment construction happening. I think that's true. And it's not like Those are good construction. Odds. Like in the U.S., a lot of houses or buildings are made out of wood and drywall, and here... Most people are in apartments and the apartment in the cities and the apartments are basically solid concrete. So a your drilling has to be a hammer drill which <laughs> both spins and goes in and out super fast. It's yes. called a perforator in Russian. And so the drill it's like this two-handed sort of like a a mini jackhammer drill. <laughs> and then That's how I picture it. The entire building like vibrates. <laughs> and I, I've had moments sitting in class in university where the whole room is like an echo chamber. I mean, it's like they're drilling two inches away somewhere with this. That and the whole the room is just, you can't, your teeth are rattling out of your head and the professors, they just start talking as if nothing's going on. You know, you can tell they barely notice it. Of course you can't hear them, but that's how you know that you have a ways to go in your acculturation. It may sound like we're exaggerating, listeners, but when you hear it, you will understand. It's more of a feeling. It's truly an experience. I hope they start drilling again. Maybe you'll feel it through the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to spare you. Well, we've got a, a one-of-a-kind interview coming up. Yes, for sure. I'm going to let Andrew enjoy uh, introducing that. Yeah. I'm going to jump in here with a news minute. Yeah, that was... There it is. There it, <clears throat> so our news minute today is... It's a somber news minute. Mm -hmm. It's an overcast news minute. Um, because we've talked about this person or someone like this person mm -hmm. before. Yeah. The headline is Russia's oldest woman dies in the North Caucasus. And her age was a spry... 128. Wow. I'm just going to let that yeah. soak in for a second. Yeah. I mean, this, this story, we've talked about her before. We did. We've, uh, I told you when we, when we read about her, I said, we need to go get an interview. It didn't happen. But she's gotten, I mean, a lot of press the last couple of years. Probably the last thing she really needed was us like knocking on her door. It's true. I'm sure they would have welcomed <laughs> us in with open arms. <laughs> And maybe so a deep sigh. This is, what, what was this lady's name? Nano Shaiova. Yeah. Shaova. Yeah, and she was uh, Kabardine, right? Kabardian. Yes, she was in Kabardine, Balkaria. On the way to Elbrus, a village called Zayukova. She mm -hmm. lived there. So she passed away. And, um, you know, sometimes you look at pictures and you're like, there's no way that person's whatever the age is, but... This one 
looks kind of believable. Yeah, man, she she got <laughs> kind of became a mini celebrity the last couple of years just because I I don't know if she got like a Guinness World Book of Re- World Records. Possibly, it's possible. I but don't... she was definitely the oldest in Russia. They say. This is not to be confused with the grandmother who bends bars of bronze <laughs> and whose son got who she, that grandma's Guinness book world record and her son who pulls trucks with his teeth, I think is what he does. So what's the term? There's a term, Andrew, in Russian for long life. Like it's a unique, ah, yes, it's a unique Caucasus thing and they have their own term for it. Dolgazitia. Yeah. Yeah, it means like long, long living, uh-huh. and it's 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 sort of this like its own rarefied condition. Yeah, yeah, it's specifically related to the Caucasus, the the long livingness of the Caucasus. Well, we definitely uh, send our condolences to Nanu's family and all the residents of Zayukova, um, and uh, honor her for the long life she lived. It's I mean, everybody who spoke about her only had good things to say. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. I think a lot of us who live long, the longer we live, <laughs> leave more wreckage. Yeah. But to, to live long with grace. So, Goodness so there it man. is. Now there's room for new oldest ladies. That's true. It's like making room for so. All yeah. right. Well, <clears throat> what do we got uh, for the main course, Andrew? I am super excited for this interview. Uh, Eli and I are, are expanding our repertoire. <laughs> We're starting to do uh, cross-continent, over-the-ocean interviews. Phone interviews. Yeah. And uh, this this guest um, literally blew my mind when I first heard of her, but um, was introduced uh, to her by a one of our listeners, uh, one of our um, Caucasus listeners who lives in Europe. And uh, this which, is— Sorry, that ha- we just have to register the shout-out. I don't know if we have a name off the top of your yeah, head. Yeah, but... actually, I just have a Facebook profile, so All right. sorry. Well, to, you know who you are. To the lead for yeah. this person, shout out. Yeah, and um, yeah, this is um, Daria Kulesh, um, whose grandma was uh, from Ingushetia, and uh, she grew up in Moscow and uh, has lived uh, the latter part of her life uh, in uh, Great Britain. Last okay. 10 years or so, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's actually become a very well-known uh, recording artist there. So she is a singer-songwriter. In English. And amazingly, most of her songs are about the North Caucasus in Ingushetia, her grandma's homeland. Um, so you can imagine our shock when we found out about her. Uh, really have a lot of things in common trying to promote this region and um, educate people about it. And uh, really an awesome interview. Um, yeah, and she's obviously has, as you'll see, as you'll hear from clips that we'll play, she has a, a a way. She's definitely got a gift and a way with words, and uh, the music's it's haunting and and uh, just extremely uh, appealing. It just really draws you in. Yeah, so definitely, um, definitely listen to her stuff on YouTube or Spotify. Uh, Daria Kulesh is or her name. Or go buy the dang albums. That's right. If you're a UK listener. Um, She's um, performing pretty consistently there, so make sure to check her out live. And this summer, she's coming up in on the continent. So I think Holland, she's performing. In Germany. Germany, she's performing. Yeah, yeah, spring or summer. Yeah, something like that. Sometime soon. Yeah. Um, without further ado, here's our interview with Daria Kulesh. 
listeners, welcome with me to the studio via Skype. That's right. From hailing from Ingushetia via Moscow, now in the United Kingdom. Give it up for Daria Kulesh. Woo! All right. Welcome, Daria. Oh, guys, that's quite a welcome. <laughs> real <laughs> chuffed. <laughs> Thanks so much. You deserved a less confusing intro than that, Doria. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, confusing is good. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Uh, one of our uh, listeners, actually, a, an English uh, male, uh, reached out to us to tell us about you. And so uh, I had not heard of you before, but I was just really amazed uh, that, wow, there's a musician in the West from the Caucasus singing singing in English about the North Caucasus. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, so uh, we're excited that you're Not exactly a lot of those rattling around out there. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. not really. <laughs> well, Daria, why don't you go ahead and uh, just introduce yourself uh, to our listeners. Um, who are you? A little about your background and uh, your connection to the North Caucasus. Great. Well, where do I start? Uh, my connection to the North Caucasus is through my grandmother, who came from Ingushetia. Uh-huh. Uh, but she was also one of a kind because uh, as an English woman, she took a massive gamble, quite a bold move, and married a Russian, which especially uh. in her day was quite an extravagant thing to do. So she right. had yeah. to pay a price and uh, uh, therefore she spent the rest of her life with her husband, my grandfather, uh, in Moscow and that's where I was brought up. But my grandmother has been uh, uh, a fascinating influence. Uh, She was a deeply charismatic person and Mm -hmm. uh, the stories of her family and her homeland, which were obviously full of longing because these were all the things that she had to have given up um, were deeply moving and enchanting and uh, I was completely under her spell growing up and uh, I've always Mm. known that the stories she had to tell were extraordinary and very valuable and that included of course the story of the deportation in 1944 which uh, Mm -hmm. was uh, almost exactly 75 years ago on 23rd of February and uh, stories like that, even to a child, I was just a little girl at the time, um, you know, yeah. early teens at most. Uh, but still, you even as a child who knows nothing about life, you couldn't help but be completely transformed by hearing true life tales like wow. that. And obviously herself being a survivor. And in 1944, she was only 11. So her telling these stories to me when I was, I don't know, 11, 12, 13. Just imagine Mm, that. Imagine the impact. And even then I understood how important it was to write these stories down. Uh, So I've kept diaries. I loved talking to grandmother, loved listening to her. And I would try to write as much down as possible. She had a very uh, rich way of storytelling. A lot of people compliment me on the lyrics in my songs, but really a lot of the imagery, a lot of the clever words uh, are just uh, English translations of uh, how my my grandmother used to tell these stories. Wow. 
Can you give us an example just off the top of your head of a, a turn of phrase or, or a word oh, picture yeah. that she might have used? Uh, yeah, so she told this story of her uh, aunt, Auntie Nina, and her two marriages. The first one was traditional and arranged, and the second one was slightly more extravagant uh-huh. and yet somehow approved by the family because her first marriage was mm. so disastrous to a man that was only described in that culture as dishonorable and uh-huh. uh, right so therefore she had some she was given some slack and allowed to marry uh, an outsider a russian doctor uh-huh. and uh, uh it was uh all thanks to the intervention of my grandmother's own grandmother a uh, classic wise woman, if you like. Uh, <laughs> and also uh, what my grandmother always said is that the English believe that every day there's one enchanted minute where every word you utter is going to come true. Wow. So, therefore, you that, should be I've never very... Heard. Have you heard that before, Andrew? No. Well, again, I don't know. My grandmother was extraordinary. You, you know, she could make things up. I don't know. I can't... <laughs> I can't wow, it's a great but... nugget. <laughs> But yeah, uh, we we live by that theory here in my house. Uh, I get an enchanted minute every day, but I haven't heard of anybody else who no, subscribes but you to see, that. Yeah, right. yeah the, the the point is, what she meant by it is that you should never say things that you don't mean. You should never wow. curse or swear or wish anybody mm. any ill out loud, because uh, you could just say things that you would regret, especially if they were to come true. And therefore, uh, her belief in the importance of choosing your words wisely uh, was very strong. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's uh, quite a lot of decorum and dignity and this whole uh, behavioral code, honor code in English, they call it as del. So, again, I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Straight Uh, to the heart of things. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, you see, I digress, and that's the problem. That's the risk with me. <laughs> there I was talking about the story, which uh, ended up becoming a song. Uh, the song is called Safely Wed. And mm. uh, in it, uh, I pretty much quote my grandmother and the way she told me about that family council that they had to decide the fate of Auntie Nina, whether she would were to be allowed to marry for the second time to this outsider. Mm. And... Uh, the exact words that uh, my grandmother's grandmother said at just the right time and just the right place, which got pretty much the whole family to consider, and a lot of them changed their mind. And uh, in the song, uh, these words are rendered like this, oil and milk never mix, milk and bread much better bet. Lesson learned, mm. tables turned, unlikely lovebird, lovebirds safely wed. But yeah, she did use that metaphor about wow. oil and milk <laughs> and milk and bread. So therefore, uh, oh gosh, it, it doesn't make sense out of context. But she described her aunt with her very calm, very... Uh-huh. Um, so she was milk. She was white as milk and smooth as silk. Mm-hmm. Again, that's me quoting mm-hmm. the song, which does set mm-hmm. the scene. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it's better to listen to the whole song because things don't become... <laughs> Still, that's yeah. a, a wonderful yeah. turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah. and uh, her first husband uh, it was uh, uh, working in oil. Yeah, yeah, in the oil industry, uh-huh. so quite literally. And at the same time, he was a bit of an oily character, a bit of a sleazy character. Wow. And uh, her second husband, eventual husband, the Russian, uh, was warm and gentle like fresh baked bread. 
Well, one thing that's so wonderful about this, Daria, is that, yes, you wrote down these stories, but they contain poetry. I, you know, it, they're poetic in and of themselves. You know, the people and the wisdom and the story, it's not as if you um, purely took just sort of historical facts. You know, the fact that these, that these sayings have been passed down to you from generations, um, there's so much captured in that. Uh, well, I feel incredibly honored to uh, have that heritage to embody and pass on. And uh, again, in, sure in the flagship song, if you like, of the album Long Lost Home, The Moon and the mm. Pilot, which captures yeah. the story of my grandmother's parents and uh, that brutal deportation of uh, uh, 23rd of February 1944, uh, the character of the moon, that's uh, my great-grandmother, grandmother's mother. And mm. uh, again, uh, this image uh, comes directly from how uh, my grandmother described her of that almost like a legendary character from some wow. timeless myth right. uh, because uh, she had snow white skin framed by the blackness of her hair. And uh, wow. she described that photograph to me, which I found in the family archive years later. And uh, my grandmother's descriptions were so vivid that all mm. these photographs instantly came to life. My grandmother actually never showed me photographs of her family while she was still alive. Mm. And I presume mm. that's because it would have been too hurtful. Uh, but then when I found them, she left them for me after she passed away. So she left me all these photographs. Uh, a lot of them predate the deportation, so they're absolutely priceless at how they were able to be saved and preserved. And I just right. instantly knew who everybody was. Of course, I then did some fact checking, <laughs> but I knew wow. who these people were. That's how strong she was as a storyteller and how she could right. just capture somebody, their whole essence, not just what they looked like, but what they were like. And she was a very good judge of character, very astute. So I really miss her at and I really wish to this day that she was still around so that I could ask her advice on people because she could just read anyone. Wow. <laughs> you know, carrying she, the, she carrying worked, the yeah. wisdom forward. Well, seriously, she was a doctor and she worked in x-ray, but it's almost like she had an in, inbuilt <laughs> x-ray. She could just see right through you. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. We don't need the machine today. No, no, no. She could see exactly what somebody's character was like. She was truly extraordinary. Very, yeah, wise woman, if you like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I mean, I feel like so many people listening to this right now just can relate to being deeply impacted by a grandparent, you know? So, wow. What is your grandma's name? What was her name? Uh, her name was Fatima Hriva, or Fatima. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah. Let's just, we actually have not really talked about this topic on the podcast, but uh, I mean, you're essentially educating people in the West about this. This was a really tragic event uh, in the English nation's history. But uh, tell us just a little about, you've mentioned it in passing the deportation, but kind of this event that so affected your uh, grandma's life. Of course. Uh, certainly is a very difficult topic to talk about, but, uh, mm-hmm. well, in brief, uh, in February 1944, Joseph Stalin declared that the entire population of Ingushetia and Chechnya were uh, traitors in league with Hitler and enemies of the people, and that mm-hmm. included absolutely everyone, uh, that included mm-hmm. 
uh, heroes of the Soviet Union, for example, that were then withdrawn from the front, even though they were actually fighting against Hitler and right. uh, uh, were about to receive the highest honor for their bravery. Uh, mm. And uh, generally, the absurdity of the situation was to have... Uh, uh, people of the wrong nationality withdrawn from the Soviet army to be sent into uh, into exile, uh, mm. where they were supposed to uh, simply disappear. And also it included newborn babies who, can, you know, also were supposed to be complicit in some way, uh, mm. women, the elderly, uh, anybody who had the misfortune to belong to that nationality, which uh, actually was now banned as well. So not only were these people punished by being transported like cattle uh, into the wastes of uh mostly northern northern Kazakhstan into very harsh climate in the middle of winter. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, they lost their land, they lost their homes uh, all of a sudden. Actually, when they were being thrown out of their homes in the middle of the night, uh, there was no explanation given what was going on and why. Mm -hmm. They were just treated like animals. And uh, you see, but what was even more brutal, if anything, could be more brutal than this in itself, uh, was that they were no longer even allowed to hold on to their identity. Uh, the right. word English or Chechen uh, were to be removed from history books and dictionaries and encyclopedias, so they were no longer allowed to even call themselves what they were. Even their identity itself was taken from them. Uh, wow. and obviously language traditions. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so the objective, Stalin's objective was to completely erase these nations from the face of the earth. And I do have to say it wasn't just the English and Chechens, you know, Stalin's uh, genocide of um, smaller nations uh, went beyond that, sadly. Uh, yes. So we can, uh, yeah, Crimean Tatars, uh, uh, Kabardine and Balkars again in the Caucasus. So yes, uh, genocide in Crimea, genocide in the North Caucasus, and uh, but obviously my uh, angle is um, right. focused on uh, the English and the Chechens because obviously that's mm -hmm. something that my grandmother sadly had to live through, but thankfully yes. she survived and she lived to tell the tale. Mm -hmm, uh, yeah. And uh, also, again, sorry, it's getting really dark now, but it wasn't uh -huh. just the living that were punished in that way. Uh, and obviously then those of them who did survive, and a lot of them didn't, there's different uh, uh, takes on the statistics, but at the very least, I think every fourth uh, perished mm. at the very least. So it was wow. absolutely monstrous. Uh, but then um, even the dead, so the graves that were left behind... Uh, the gravestones were removed and used in uh, for building roads and bridges, mm -hmm. and uh, the grave mounds were evened out. So yes, no trace whatsoever. There was to be no yeah. trace left of even That's their amazing. dead. It's amazing. And wow. uh, yeah. and when uh, they were finally allowed to come back in 1957, there was still no uh, official acknowledgement or 
apology or any support. So people had to make their own way and fund their own journeys back home. And when they came back home, what they found is uh, uh, in most cases, there were strangers living in their homes and quite reluctant to leave and sometimes turning quite violent. Mm-hmm. And then when they went to visit their ancestors' graves, they often saw that there were no graves left. And then they would walk down a road or over a bridge and see that there were gravestones if, you mm. know, used in building mm. these roads and these bridges. But, but you know, still I've read memoirs and uh, obviously from my grandmother's stories, there was just no greater joy than... Um, even though their homeland was violated in that way, but still it was it was home. And yeah, uh, when they returned, they, right? Yeah, the the English. Um, well, for the English, the land is sacred. Uh, the yep. word for happiness, Iras, means plot of land. So, oh my goodness! Yeah. So they really, really have this incredibly strong bond with the land, literally yes. the land. That's home. Yeah. The land is home. The land is happiness. So to take the land away from them, well, yeah, yeah, and that's true for mm-hmm. sure. All over the Caucasus, um, mm-hmm. the importance of the land. And if you're, um, for many of you listeners, you may not have heard about this before, um, but yeah, it it's living history. I mean, there's still folks who survived uh, the deportation yes. and are still alive today. Um, in the Caucasus and um, in Magas and Ingushetia, there's a very well done uh, memorial kind yes. of to those yes. historic events. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to see that, I highly recommend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's a journey through the whole history of Ingushetia. That's right. Yep. It's extremely eye opening, and yes, I would totally recommend. It's such a moving experience, unforgettable. Yeah. So, Doria, uh, obviously, growing up, you were hearing these stories from your grandma. And then uh, now, I don't even think we've mentioned this, but, I mean, you're a pretty well-known musician in the UK. Uh, How did, what was the process that a major part of your singing would be about telling uh, your family's history? So how I came to tell these stories in song. Yeah. Uh, It was almost um, a mystical story. Mm. And um, of course, when uh, I do my show uh, in this poetic and storytelling fashion, I um, embellish and enhance this whole timeless and almost legendary element of it. But Mm -hmm. really, it's true that uh, what, what what triggered it was a dream that I had about my grandmother. Oh wow! And she came to me, and we talked, and that was years after she passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just felt very real. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a very positive dream, though it felt very reassuring. You know, I really felt like she was there for me, uh-huh. and uh, it was really that trigger that. I started rediscovering all these stories that she told me and uh, dug out the diaries uh, and just um, 
memories came flooding back and all these stories that I had collected uh, just uh, started very quickly turning into songs wow. as if they took some time to uh, to grow. So it was all under the surface and all of a sudden started breaking through the soil and, and growing mm-hmm. and flowering and like a germination period that yeah then yeah yeah, yeah yeah that all of a got, sudden whoosh you know because wow. it was all very i wrote the album really quickly the moon and the pilot for example i think i wrote the song in about 10 minutes so, well obviously <laughs> i it took some editing but sure know, the both the, the bare inspiration bones of the struck song were, yeah yeah and uh, and again my grandmother was very helpful in providing me with this imagery <laughs> That I yeah, could just yeah. build from. <laughs> so, how many albums do you have, and basically, uh, how long have you been at it, singing song, singer songwriting? Uh, well, uh, depends how you look at it. Uh, funnily enough, uh, I started singing uh, in my late teens in Moscow at an Irish pub. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So that was mo- mostly Irish and Scottish standards, and uh, <laughs> I. I had a fascination Tura, Lura, with Scotland. Lura and stuff like that. Ah, yeah. Yeah, tell me, Ma. <laughs> Wild <laughs> Rover. Yeah. <laughs> then um, I was in a band as more of a hobby. Uh, and it was funny that when I moved to the UK as a travel writer, so that's another story. But yes, yeah. I did have a very glamorous job for a while. Um, it was when I started writing my own songs that were um, personally relevant. Uh, again, my songwriting has matured. Uh, so at some point, um, I started thinking, well, maybe I should take it a bit more seriously. Maybe I should give it a go. Wow. Uh, so, yes, I just left my day job, <laughs> which sounds like a completely insane thing to do and uh, how to go. From travel writer to song, song, songwriter, singer. <laughs> uh, oh, well, actually, for a couple of years after um, being a glamorous travel writer, I did have a very boring job <laughs> as a translator. So obviously that was partly the reason huh. why. <laughs> I mean, it was, a, yeah, it was a good job. and uh, Well, you wouldn't be a real artist without you know a boring job at some point you know along the way <laughs> man that's so interesting there's so many there's so many details i know could could go into exactly <laughs> really I, do, I am sorry guys but this yeah, is no. now your full this is your full-time gig this is what you do right yes yes so, yeah, so um uh it's something that i've been doing full-time since 2013 uh, you hear I, that artist out there? It can be done. <laughs> yes. So uh, 2015, I released my debut solo album, okay. uh, Eternal Child, uh, 2017 uh, in February, on 23rd of February, to commemorate this tragic date. Mm-hmm. I released Long Lost Home. And I'm releasing my third album, which is called Earthly Delights, on 1st of June this year. So it's right. um, an album every two years, as it happens so far. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Doria, what kind of reaction do you get from your listeners? I mean, this is, I mean, this is just completely unknown history for the most part in the West and not to mention like, I mean, unknown place, like nobody in the West knows in you know? So like, 
what kind of response have you gotten from people as you've shared your family story? It's absolutely incredible. Uh, I think the reason people connect to these stories so much, because as you say, everybody has loved ones in their life, family members, people that have just shown their light and really left a legacy. So truly my connection with my grandmother is something that just gets people's attention in the first place. And, uh, uh, but then it's the other human stories, uh, stories of suffering, but also of endurance and uh, of the power of human spirits, because these stories can be tragic, but at the same time, they're so inspirational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. you can't help but marvel at right. these tales. And my favorite bit of feedback, perhaps, was after the album launch, when um, somebody who came along uh, posted on Facebook. I apologize if I quote incorrectly, but it was something very closely along the lines of, I left Cecil Sharp House with a deep pride in my English roots. And it was only two days later that I realized I was born in Essex. <laughs> That's great. Wow. wow. <laughs> so, That's amazing. <laughs> wow. That means, your, that means your music just really communicates and yeah. connects with <laughs> I, you know, Doria, I'm not artistic at all. And uh, Eli, Eli and I are on the opposite end of the stru- spectrums. Um, That's why we make a good team. <laughs> but like listening to your music has, it's really helped me understand the power of, of music and art because you're sharing something, but there's such deep emotion, you know? And you're telling the story, especially the song, uh, the, the moon and the pilot, like I've just listened to that song on repeat and I'm, I've made my wife listen to it so many times, oh. <laughs> but like she said to tell you hi, by the way, that she listens oh. to your music through me. <laughs> oh, thanks but, so uh, much to her. Yeah. Yeah. Big but love. like, I really want to encourage our listeners to, uh, go on YouTube, type in Doria Kulesh and just start listening to the, some of the songs because, Maybe you haven't heard this story and it's so much different from reading it off a page, like so much emotion wrapped up in that. And so it's such a powerful like medium to tell your people and your family's history, you know? Um, So I just want to commend you for doing that. Like there are very few representatives of the North Caucasus doing this in the language, English language, you know? (laughs) And uh, I mean, very few, one hand, one (laughs) <laughs> one finger have you uh, encountered others doing anything similar to this in your work Daria not across languages and cultures obviously there is right. extraordinary artists and musicians in the Caucasus uh, uh, in sure. particular I would like to give a shout to Timur Zetov who's absolutely phenomenal and uh, I've really right. enjoyed working with Timur and we did gigs together both mm. in the UK and in Moscow and in the Caucasus and he also plays some beautiful stuff on my album and okay. he's taught me a song or two uh, but uh, yes he's an Ingushetia and I wish he could travel around the world a bit more because truly he deserves it and the world needs him <laughs> but uh, mm, well yeah, we'll see yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that in the way that I've had the luck and the privilege to uh, have been exposed to all these different cultures 
with this deep influence from uh, my English grandmother, but at the same time being brought in a primarily Russian family. And uh, uh, I have to say that that gave me opportunities that perhaps if I grew up in the Caucasus or in a traditional English family, Mm. I would have never had. I wouldn't have had these freedoms Mm -hmm. to travel the world Mm -hmm. and explore Mm -hmm. and have adventures on my own, to live in Canada and uh, do all these crazy things that I've done. Uh, And uh, that really made me who I am. And uh, it gave me a deeper understanding of, uh, I don't know, this sounds very pretentious, but humanity, if you like. But the most important thing is, yes, I do live to tell these stories and I tell these stories mostly through song. Yeah. So I have a question about that. Your work, and I'm, I haven't yet listened to as much as Andrew has, <laughs> but um, what I've listened to has been very compelling and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, um, your work and your the process you've shared with us, your story, does so much to bring the past into the present and to commemorate and remember um, the English people and their experience. I'm wondering how you see your art, um, like what effect is it having or how, how do you see your, your art um, affecting the future of, future of the English people and um, looking forward? Good question. Uh, well, I think... Uh what I'm trying to do, uh, same as you guys are doing, is uh, uh, to tell the world about North Caucasus in general, about Ingushetia, mm-hmm. and uh, to uh, help people understand better and uh, don't just... Uh, so that people uh, don't simply judge based on a very straightforward media narrative uh and also that people yeah that people feel a personal connection that we are all human and uh it's not just some abstract scary place there's people there incredible people uh living people who love and uh, suffer and uh endure and uh, do incredible things and uh also, I'm hoping that through what I'm doing, uh, maybe uh, the English themselves will become a little bit less insular. I do totally understand the importance of them very fiercely holding on to their ways and their culture, but maybe there's a little bit too much insularity, a little bit too much conservatism. Maybe there's a balance somewhere uh, where... Uh, because, to be honest... Uh, um, I know these stories are so personal to every single English person because every single English person has a relative who was affected by the deportation. But I think generally audiences in England have to be quite open-minded and really unopen-hearted to even come to one of my gigs and uh, then I'll see if I can work some magic on them. But for them to even buy that ticket, having perhaps not heard of me before, what is this place in Gushetia? Who are these people? Why do I care? Uh, I really applaud all the people who (laughs) take that leap of faith. Yeah. (laughs) We did a whole episode devoted to that idea of what happens when you you kind of put a face to... um, 
some of the the facts or not facts the uh, the fears that float around out there and how radically it changes your experience and understanding of a place mm -hmm. yeah humanize humanizing stereotypes i think we called it yeah um but uh so doria uh where can we know you have a big uh kind of following and fan base in the UK. And we've got a pretty sizable uh, listenership from the UK. So shout out to all our uh, England and Scotland and Ireland and Wales and Northern Ireland listeners. Um, but uh, how can our listeners uh, follow you and uh, find your music? Please be shamelessly promotional, self-promotional. Oh, okay, okay. This is what we want. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, well, the best place to go is my website, which is uh, www.daria-kulesh.co.uk. Or if you just put my name in Google, the website should come up. And it's got a lot of content. It's got videos and recordings uh, and obviously has a little shop where people can uh, buy CDs and other goodies because I'm also quite arty. So I print my own T-shirts oh, cool. and uh, uh, I even do commissions and things like that interesting so, yeah just you know keep me busy guys you know i like making stuff and doing stuff and also there's a page about ingushetia so again it's only a very mm. brief summary but people can just have a look and uh, there's some photographs from uh, my first visit there which of course was life-changing and uh, wow. yeah so just feel free to explore uh, it's quite a busy little website, uh, but it has all the links that people might need, including social yeah. media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, again, on Facebook, I'm Daria Kulish Music. On Twitter, I'm just Daria Kulish, Daria Kulish Music on Instagram. And uh, yeah, also, if people want to just email me, there is a form on my website which just goes directly to me. You know, I don't have a huge management Great. team or anything like that or any bouncers that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, you might yeah. need it after I'm, we release I'm, this. I'm also I'm very confident you get more emails from your fans than we do from ours, Doria. Uh, so yeah. I I commend you for putting your email out there. Um, so do you primarily perform the you know concert shows you do primarily in the UK? Do you perform anywhere else? Uh, well, I'm actually going to Germany early April. Uh, mostly okay. around Bonn. So anybody listening in Germany, please come along. Awesome. And uh, going to Holland at the end of May. So uh, and uh, uh, in Holland, I'm going to be in a few places. So I'll travel around the country. So wherever you are in Holland, there's a good chance you might be in the vicinity. Uh, yeah. What about touring the North Caucasus? Well, I'd love to come back. Yeah, I've been um, twice. Okay. now and uh i was really hoping to come here? back uh yes yes i have with timur zetov uh, oh, great. Great. uh and uh also we did a big gig uh in moscow uh, oh, awesome. huh. i was hoping guys to bring that times guy that i'd mentioned the travel writer for the times this oh. march but yeah. you know yeah unfortunately the editor said no because it's too dangerous yeah too adventurous for our readers that's what he said uh -huh. but, because I'm sure it's not too adventurous for the readers, but anyway. Yeah, never mind. I'll keep. Never uh, mind. I'll keep working. Listen, because you know, I, don't, I, I want, I, I want to do something meaningful. I really wanted to bring somebody yeah, yeah. who would again just expand on the story, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know. But I, 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 I will be back for sure. I can't wait. I already miss it terribly.
Yeah, well, we uh, Eli and I are not uh, the times, but uh, <laughs> if we definitely want to help you share your story. So uh, I hope just uh, having you here on our little caucus, caucus Talk platform will help with that. Um, For sure. Yeah. So obviously, listeners, the best place to see Daria perform is in the UK. So uh, definitely check her website out uh, for a show schedule. And I hope some of you guys, we may have some folks who already have have seen you. It'd be really cool. Yeah, that would be Uh, really cool because I I do travel all over the place, especially all over Britain. Well, if you Um, have seen Daria and you are are familiar, if you're a listener, go to our website and leave a comment on uh, this episode when it's released. And we'll have a a little convo there. Or Yeah, and listen to other episodes as well because uh, I really love what you guys do. Well, thank you. That's great. So, Daria, we end every interview uh, asking this one question to our guests. What is one thing you want to tell the world about the North Caucasus? Uh, yes, I should have given this question some sort. I? Because, uh, <laughs> I just want the world to see it as a real place with real people. And it's mm. such a rich place, such an ancient place, such a fascinating mm-hmm. place, primordial place, because uh, the mountains especially that is a different world it's a different planet you feel like you're yep. just walking in a different era it mm. it is incredible it's such a transcendental if you like experience uh uh it sure. really is uh um connecting with something uh that you didn't know was there if it makes any mm, sense yeah uh i truly feel that now that i've been to the highlands also having that connection you know again carrying all that longing that my grandmother sadly took to the grave with her that when i set foot on that soil on her home mountains that she was so desperate to visit perhaps but knew she couldn't uh that I just felt something completely electric, completely incredible. Uh, but wow. uh, my personal connection aside, uh, a lot of people have said that it is a magical place where, yes, you feel like you've been transported to a different <laughs> time entirely. But at the same time, it's full of very rich culture very Mm. warm and welcoming people uh, who despite having lived through some terrible things uh, really have this wonderful kindness and wisdom and (coughs) lust for life Mm -hmm. and an understanding of life Uh, so yeah I admire these people I'm Mm. really proud to uh, call them friends. Yeah. So yes, come and make friends. You know this. <laughs> it's a good summary. <laughs> we. I mean, that's like the point of this podcast. I think that's gonna. I think that registers as our first, our first use of the word transcendental to describe <laughs> the Caucasus. Sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. apologies needed. <laughs> No, no. I mean, it communicates what what you experience. You know, yeah. it really transports you truly. And I mean, and when people like they kind of 
fish for words how to describe mm. the North Caucasus, and almost everybody comes back to it's just really special. Yeah. It's really mind unique. blowing. It's really mind different. Blowing? You know, Is yeah. That a word? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, people describe it in different ways, but like it's unlike anywhere or thing they've seen before or yeah. been before. You know. Yeah. Um, so, man. Doria, thank you so much. It really was a pleasure and an honor having you on the show. Oh, thanks, guys. Pleasure and honor all mine. And I hope we get to talk again. And it would be nice to uh, meet you in real life in real time. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Yeah. Thank you, Doria. Golden apples at your fingertips. Dreams of sweetness hot upon your lips. But you are sleeping. 